Hello and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here as always with my forever co-host and the editor-in-chief of Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. James, what's going on? Hey, I'm just getting more and more excited as A3 gets closer. <laughs> Me too, James. I'm 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 yeah. really I'm really like turning on about it. It's pretty close, <laughs> pretty crazy. And as we're gonna get to later today with, with the body of our podcast this week, a lot is happening just in the pre-E3 rev up. It's not just the things that are leaking for E3. There, there, there's some announcements that are happening that I that is a normal thing. Announcements come out before E3, sometimes just to get the edge on those other things that will be announced at E3 in order to not have to fight with all the other exciting game announcements and all that stuff for the limelight. Uh, so we, we have a few new things to talk about. When We have a few uh, new games that we've played since the last Super Jump podcast. And um, as, as always, we, we have a great show. No, not as always. I'm not going to say that. We sometimes have bad shows. And I'll own up to it. I'll never say which ones I think are, are bad publicly. <laughs> but I do think some are not as good as others. Hopefully the ones we think are really awesome and not the ones the audience thinks suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and don't you dare anyone tell me that that one where I talked about the music of Banjo-Kazooie is bad. Because then I'll cry. But other th- Oh, no. I've had good feedback about that, Mitchell. That's, oh, yeah? I, I think that's a beloved... In the history of Super Jump Podcasts, I think that'll be a, a much beloved episode. It goes up in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Great. Uh, well, in the meantime, let's try to get this episode up there as well and start with the Playtime Report. James, I got to admit something. Yes? I've played no games since the last podcast. Uh. We need a soundboard here. Don't do. <laughs> I know. It's we do this every two weeks, so you'd think that like every week maybe he's not going to play a game every week. But yeah. I I've gone two weeks. This is um, it it's weird for me, but I think it's just a lull. We're just not in the releasing stage of of this year's game cycle. Uh, so yeah. there's some things that I'm less excited about. Not to say that there aren't new games coming out, because I see that you're playing some new games. What have you been playing? I am. Um, so I've been playing a lot of State of Decay 2. Um, mm-hmm. I I got a review code from Microsoft about... Thanks, Microsoft. Oh, thank you, Microsoft. <laughs> about two weeks ago, roughly two weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> and I've probably put in... I haven't put in quite as much time as I would have liked, um, which is why I haven't published the review yet um i've probably put in about somewhere between 15 and 20 hours or so um so i mean it's it's enough to get a pretty good sense of the experience but there are some bits and pieces that you know that i haven't seen yet that i want to check out before i actually kind of deliver a verdict on the on the final thing did you play the first i did play the first and the first was a really the first was sort of frustrating in a way because the concept itself is awesome. Like I, I love the general idea of you're in a zombie apocalypse and yes, you're kind of fighting for survival as a, 
you know, you're, you're controlling a character. Right. But there's also this kind of base building resource management aspect to it. Um, I really like, love that concept. And it's something that, um, unless there's a huge game I've missed, I don't think it's something many developers are tackling. Um, there's a lot of zombie games, obviously, but not a lot that kind of have this really specific mix of survival game and kind of base building resource management. So I really love that aspect. Um, but, you know, uh, the game's made by Undead Labs. They're a, they're a little indie studio. Um, the original game was on Xbox 360. It was pretty good, but it was also sort of clearly a, a game that had a, a lower budget. Um, you know, the movement and control was a little bit off. Um, you know, it, it kind of wasn't one of those big AAA releases in terms of polish. Um, right. And what's interesting about State of Decay 2 is if you look at all the trailers and everything leading up to the release, it, you know, it's running on a brand new engine. Um, and although it's made by the same team and it, and really it is still an indie game, I feel like Microsoft deliberately or not, um, have sort of been pitching it as more of a triple a experience right I, i've heard um, some people talk about this game in terms of like microsoft's it, it like one of microsoft's main exclusives where i feel like that's yes. a lot to ask of this game yeah absolutely and and that's where i think playing this if you look at it through that lens it it doesn't really hold up at least compared to the big exclusives on other platforms. Sure. Um, but it's kind of an unfair standard as well, because compared to the original game, there are a lot of improvements. Like, you know, for example, the world itself is much, much larger. There are three big kind of open world maps that you can move between uh, in the game. Uh, I still haven't gotten off the first one because it's huge and its progression is relatively slow depending on how you go about it mm-hmm. um there's a lot more variety in terms of the zombies i don't remember how many different zombie types there were in the first game did you play the first game no i didn't and i i feel kind of bad about it but at the time i i saw trailers and the the trailers set up this narrative that might not be in the game maybe it's just like a representation of something that could happen um, mm-hmm. with, with, uh, like a woman befriending an old man trying to fight zombies together. Then the old man dies and the woman, this might've been State of Decay 2, actually. I, I might have gotten these mixed up, but something like they live in the apocalypse and she's just trying to be like this, you know, stereotypical badass woman in gaming of 2018. And the game, like it, the game's gameplay seemed to be a hodgepodge of all these very popular tags on Steam right now. So like, there's survival, and there's base building, and there's crafting, <laughs> and there's uh, zombie hordes, and <laughs> apocalypse setting. Like all of these things that seem like, man, this is a this is a video game ass video game. <laughs> and I was put off by it. I didn't. I didn't see anything special in it and and that might be unfair mm. but I when there's that many games coming out and like th- this was in the context of I think it was an E3 presentation I was seeing yeah. it 
and I had to weigh it against my excitement for other things. There's no way that that was going to pull through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if if you are, <clears throat> I guess it depends who you are. I mean, if, if you are a gamer who only has an Xbox One, Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in that situation, obviously you get a lot of the, the multi-platform releases, but if you're looking for something exclusive, this is definitely worth playing. If you liked the original, I mean, it's it's really a... It's hard to really call it a sequel. It's almost like a redo of the original. Interesting. Um, only they've improved it significantly. But it it still has some of the issues of the original. So, for example... Um, at least in the state it's in now. State of decay. It's the state of decay it's in now. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's still fairly buggy. Um, like I've noticed, uh, and it's funny, there's a few video reviews online that show this. You'll be driving along the road and as zombies spawn in, for some reason they spawn in like 10 stories high in midair and then drop down to the road. <laughs> So it's like raining zombies, hmm. um, which I'm sure is a bug, not a feature. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it could, I could see it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like a weird subgenre of zombie games. Um, and I, I mean, I've also come across some pretty big, severe frame rate drops. So it's, it's not always as stable as it could be. Um, and the collision detection, man. Ugh. Maybe I'm maybe I'm spoiled once again, Mitchell, by Breath of the Wild, but <laughs> on collision I mean, detection. Yeah, like um, so when you start the game, you you choose um, you choose a, a pair of characters that are sort of somewhat randomly generated. Their okay. story is not, but um, you know they've got kind of random stats. Um, is it a roguelike in that way? Uh, oh, not, I'm not sure how I'd compare it. It's, there are some sort of, there are random elements to it. Okay. Um, so for example, like, you know, the, the locations where, um, on, they're called enclaves. So they're like groups of NPC survivors. The timing and location of where they appear in the world seems to be random for the most part. Interesting. Um, and there are these kind of like quote unquote bosses, these plague hearts that you have to destroy in the world. And they sort of seem to spawn randomly around the map in different places. Um, so there's an element of randomness to it. Definitely. Um, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, and, and it does add to some sort of variety. Um, I forget what I was saying now. (laughs) (laughs) Something about randomization. Oh, the collision detection. Collision detection. Yeah. Yes. Yes, so this might be the wrong phrase for it, but um, when you start out, you can choose which map you want to start on, basically. So I started on the one that had, um, you begin on like a mesa and you've got this, there are a few houses that sit at the top. Um, And so what happens is, you know, obviously every day you leave your house, you're out there scavenging for materials, you might be helping enclaves with their various problems you might be fighting some of the enclaves some of them are hostile um you know you're out there doing survivally stuff mm-hmm. and you have to frequently return home to drop off the resources you've collected because you're you know you become encumbered there's only so much you can carry 
that's all fine as far as it goes. But um, what I found really annoying is, and it's a small thing, but it's frustrating. I'd be returning to my, like my base camp, my house. And because it was on this kind of rocky mesa, um, I couldn't, I had to find a very specific pathway to walk up to the house. So even if I wanted to do that thing where you kind of jump up the rocks, you know how a lot of games will allow you to do that? Right. You can kind of zigzag your way up these rocks. Yeah, just clip through the geometry and kind of push yourself up to somewhere you're not supposed to be. Well, not even that, but just like clear something that's, you know... um, Oh, just actually jumping on a that you could, platform. Actually jumping on a rock. Yeah, that's really easy to jump over. Because bear in mind, you can you can um, vault over fences and, you know, you can do all sorts of stuff like that in the game. Um, but I'm trying to clear these rocks that are, like, below my knee. And in some cases, you can clear them. In some cases, you can't. So what happens is you sort of, as you're just trying to run around the world, you often find that you get randomly stuck in places Mm -hmm. and the the developers have implemented a menu option that is entirely designed around unsticking you from geometry and teleporting you nearby wow which is interesting because it sort of feels to me like that is an enormously expensive workaround for like a core design problem Mm -hmm. that's yeah that's that's crazy and so, you know, again, it when I talk about it, it doesn't sound that major, but what happens in the game is, you know, um, the longer you're away from your base, you the more exposed you are in a sense because your character will become tired, they might be injured, they might be infected, um, and you can have been away from your base for quite a long time and doing really, really well, you know, you're feeling on top of the world, you get close to home and some totally random thing happens and you get killed. Um, And all of the characters in the game that you play as have, like, permadeath. Um, You know, so if they die, they're gone forever. Um, That's really frustrating. You'll have to select another character to go and, you know, grab the items off their body and their body sort of remains persistent in the world. Um, that that aspect of permadeath and everything, I, I actually don't mind because it is very in keeping with the the zombie survival feel. Sure. Um, it's just, you know, you don't want the environment itself to be kind of an artificial stumbling block. Um, and, and sometimes it can be. Um, so I'm a little bit mixed on this one. I'm enjoying it. Um, despite all of the complaints that I just leveled at it, I am enjoying it. It is better than the original. It is worth playing. It's kind of a unique mixture of all of those stereotypical elements in games. Um, the one thing I think that probably hurts a little bit more than anything else for me is the fact that as I'm progressing in the game, I, I can't really see what I'm progressing toward, if that makes sense. Um, you're, you don't know where you're your doing goal is? All of these, 
Yeah, I mean, you're doing all of these different tasks and you've got kind of um, day-to-day goals around, you know, defeating these plague hearts and um, establishing outposts and all that sort of thing, you know, rescuing survivors. Um, But after you've been doing that same loop for about 15 hours, you don't see a lot of variety emerging as you get more powerful or as your base improves or, you know, you're kind of in that same cycle the whole way along. Yeah, that's something I've never really loved about survival games and why I've kind of bounced off them in the past. Just the idea of just just surviving and and not trying to do anything more than that just just not dying is the goal for right now it kind of diminishes the sense of accomplishment that you're anticipating and uh that's not something i've liked in the past yeah and i think what i would have and, and this is not the way they intended the game obviously but what i would have liked to see what i hope someone does in the future is you know, you're rescuing these survivors and you're, you're kind of like a hermit crab moving from one outpost to another as your community grows. But there's this piece missing, I think, where I'd like to see an actual set of mechanics around kind of physically building a community because you, you, you've got your main base and you secure outposts around it that kind of become safe zones but it feels like they could have done something where, you know, you could string together a group of buildings in a town and fence them off and secure them. And, you know, you could actually kind of progressively take over the map um, and really extend that kind of base building, those base building mechanics. Um, So it feels like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity there. Uh, It's fairly limited in terms of the base building side, I would say. Um, so it's really a game that if you love survival games, if you really love that moment to moment survival thing, then, um, go for it. Uh, and I enjoy it, but I, uh, it's got a bit of a shelf life with me. There's only so long that I can, you know, continue doing that until I get bored. Well, something else that I know you enjoy and I know that you also get bored with is destiny. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I, I see that you've been playing Destiny 2 Warmind, the new expansion for Destiny. How's how's that going? Um, well, I, I haven't played much of it yet. So I've only played um, the first couple of campaign missions and one of the public events on Mars. So Mars is a, um, is a space that um, that you could explore in the first Destiny, but they've created kind of a new... Um, like a new open world space on Mars in Warmind. Okay. Um, and I I think it's going to be a similar story to everything else in Destiny 2 so far, just in the sense that as I'm playing through the campaign, which I believe is maybe four or five missions, I think it's very brief, um... As I'm playing through the campaign, I'm enjoying it. Um, they've it, it feels much better than the previous expansion, Curse of Osiris. Um, they've done a little bit to add some variety to the enemies, not, not a lot. I think that's still a complaint a lot of people have about the game. 
that it's sort of still the same enemies all the time. Um, they have introduced some new mechanics and some new enemy types. Um, but I think the issue I'm going to have is like the post campaign kind of end game period where you're getting into that cycle of trying to level up to be essentially raid ready. Now my um, assumption with this and, and I, my destiny knowledge is, is, uh, is starkly lacking. I'd like to know more about it, but I, I haven't had the chance to really dig in. I thought that these expansions would be specifically made to increase the end game, to to bolster the end game of the base game. Is that not the case? Or is it just adding more different things to do? Look, it is a little bit of both. Okay. So so what <clears throat> what Destiny what Warmind adds is um you get some new strikes which are um, they're kind of effectively end game activities that you can grind over and over again. Um, and they've added a new raid layer, which is, which I believe from what I've read, I haven't tried it. I believe that it's sort of the toughest, um, raid experience that they've introduced so far, uh, at least for people that are coming into it. Um, you know, they've just hit the power level to enter it, um, people are finding it very challenging and I, and that seems to be a good thing. Um, so there is some additional end game content, but what happens is with every expansion, there'll be a set of campaign missions that you do. They will bring you up to a certain power level. And then there'll always be a gap between the power level you're at, at the end of the campaigns and the power level you need to be at for the raid. And it's usually quite a significant gap. Hmm. And so the question is like, okay, how do I get there? How do I get raid ready? What do I do? And typically in Destiny, it's some combination of repeating a number of different activities over and over again to grind. Um, and from memory, what they've done in Warmind, which is a little bit tricky, is... Um, you the, the only path that I know of... <clears throat> to get to the light level for the raid is you have to do all of the weekly milestones, okay. which will be, you know, some combination of repeating a strike, a heroic strike, a certain number of times, you know, um, you'll have various objectives to do basically. Does it feel like um, the same problem that we've talked about with sea of thieves where the, the progression in the game is very much built up to be the point of the game. But in, in Sea of Thieves' case, um, the, the, the grinding is so samey in a lot of uh, instances for a lot of people. Some, for some people, it's fine. Um, but the, the grinding is, is samey to the point of not being interesting to continue to do. Is that a problem with Destiny? Um, I think there are a couple of problems. That is one problem. Um, and, and I have to say like coming into this, that even though I've been playing destiny since the beginning, I'm not a hardcore destiny player. So I will, you know, I'll, I'll play a little bit 
and then I'll go away, I'll go off it for a couple of weeks and I'll come back and play a bit more. So a lot of the issues people have had with the progression and the repetitiveness of of the activities hasn't affected me too much. Um, but there are people in the community where Destiny is their main gig, you know, it's it's like Bungie and Activision promoted as like a lifestyle game. You know, it's one of these experiences that you're supposed to be able to play every day and experience something new and experience some kind of meaningful progression. Um, and I think for those players, it's it's frustrating because there's really not enough content, right? especially if you compare it to something like The Division, which... The division had its problems early on, but it's um, the developers took massive steps to, you know, uh, to make sure there was heaps of stuff to do, that you could do different things each day, and that everything you do in some way contributes to your progression. So you never feel like you're kind of doing a task that isn't getting you somewhere. Um, I feel like the division team really got that right toward the end. And I feel like Bungie is is still struggling with how best to achieve that. Do you um, have a? Are, are you optimistic for the future of Destiny Two, or do you kind of feel like this is going to be a continuing issue? Um, I was more optimistic when Destiny Two first came out because there were a lot of really good signs. Um, they still had end game issues, but there were a lot of really good signs in what they were doing. They'd made a lot of clear improvements, I thought. Um, but after the last couple of expansions, Warmind seems to be a bit better than Curse of Osiris, but Curse of Osiris was a real low point. Mm. I, I feel like for some reason, I don't know why, Bungie keep taking one step forward and two steps back. And they just keep tripping over themselves all the time. And I don't know if it's because they're not learning what they need to learn. I don't know if they're having technology issues. I don't know if they, if there is an internal tension around, you know, different priorities, like um, the monetization aspect on one side and the satisfying players aspect on the other side. I don't really know. Um, and and if you read, uh, there was an article we recently posted by Jared Johnson who who basically said, you know, there's no positive future for Destiny Two. Wow. And he makes a pretty good argument there. Like, and he's, I think he he would say that he's been a fan of the series over time, um, probably more the first Destiny. Um, so a lot of people feel that way at the moment. I have no idea where it's going. Um, I think the big the big moment uh, of truth is going to be in, I think it's September when we see the next big Destiny expansion. And apparently, um, from what I've heard about it, it's it's a much, much bigger update than either of the first two expansions. It's it's not just a normal expansion. It's a, apparently going to be a big, big content drop. And there are going to be some fundamental changes in the game in that update. Um, we should hear more about that at E3, hopefully. So cool. We will see. 
Um, in addition to not playing any video games this past two weeks, I've been watching a lot of uh, Arrested Development. It's probably one of my favorite shows of all time. Have you have you watched it? No, not really. I've, it's one of those shows that I've sort of been aware of, and there are a lot of fans of it here, but I haven't really sat down and watched it. Um, in th- the original run of the show was 2003, 4, and 5, and those three, uh, it was three seasons, and that's all it got. Fox canceled it, and in 2013 they re- they released season four, and now five years later in 2018 they will finally release a season five. But what they've done was because season four was negatively received, it um they've recut it, they've re-edited the whole season. And they've put it on Netflix just in in a, a more palatable way to, to watch. I think I actually prefer the form of the original fourth season. But it's interesting that they just recut an entire season of television mm-hmm. just to appease um, a, a, what I have to imagine is a small minority of fans that are still complaining about this thing five years on. Especially after we have like a full new season on the way just at the end of this month. Yeah. Uh, so that's been pretty yeah. cool. I've I've watched I've been watching that uh, remixed four season and Jeopardy. Uh, I've just been playing a lot of Jeopardy, and by playing Jeopardy, I mean watching Jeopardy and yelling out the answers in real life <laughs> as the show's going on. I'm getting good at it. Maybe if yeah. I yell loud enough, they'll they'll uh, take me on the show. And you get frustrated because you always know the answer, and the contestant doesn't. <laughs> that has happened a few times. Um, they have video game categories, and I, I imagine that they are very hard for people that aren't like actually in the know about some things. But it, it for for people that know what video games are, the questions are like, "This thing has Nathan Drake in it," and the answer is like, "Okay, it's un- <laughs> it's Uncharted," and then they're like. Phew. That was that was a million dollars right there. You could have you could have won if you said Uncharted. Ugh. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> um, but let's head right into the newsy nibble, but also the hot topic. So the hot topic, if we have one this week, is just there's a lot of stuff going on that is pretty important but at a pre-e3 time period uh and and all these things are new so it kind of goes into one thing we've already spent a lot of time on the playtime report so we're just going to combine them into one little section first thing we i want to talk about this was actually a while ago and it kind of blew my mind that we didn't get to talk about it yet but nintendo's online program was announced um i i thought for sure we already talked about this one uh i guess we didn't yeah we we had, <clears throat> well, I think we'd talked about what we expect from it and what we would like to see, but um, at that point in time, we didn't know, you know, this announcement hadn't been made, so we didn't know exactly what it was going to involve. Right, yeah. So, here's what it involves. For an individual, it's $20 a year, which is very low compared to Xbox Live Gold or uh, PlayStation Plus. 
And for a family, which can include up to eight people, it's $35 a year, which gets it below $5 for an individual, which is very, very cheap. Um, and and that, is, that is something positive I can say about it. It's very cheap. Um, to say yeah. that what it offers would, isn't worth the price would be incorrect uh, because it offers a number of things that are good. Uh, cloud saving is a big one. People have been asking for a way to back up their save files on the Switch. You can't do it with a memory card. Uh, with It takes SD cards, but you can't put save files on those. Save files have to go on the system memory. Uh, SD cards mm-hmm. can only hold software itself. Um, so now you can back up your saves to the cloud if you have a Nintendo account. So that's great. Um, and things like Splatoon 2, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, ARMS... Um, all the multiplayer ones, all the big multiplayer games will require an online account in order to access the multiplayer and online aspects of those games. And for things like Splatoon 2, where the online aspect of the game is kind of worked into all facets of the game, not just the multiplayer, um, you can't even play that game without a nintendo account Mm, yeah so we've been doing that for free now they say it costs money um about a year and a half in how do you feel about that (laughs) as i heard someone say recently it just means we've had a really long trial period (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean if we have it it doesn't seem different from what they've been doing on the wii u but they're saying that it's better now and worth money now, and I, 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 am not buying it. I, I mean, I will, I will actually buy it probably because I have to. Um, but in terms of believing it, I do not. I don't believe that this is when, when Smash Brothers comes out and it has the same kind of lag over the internet that it did during the Wii U era. I'm, I'm gonna point at it and I'm gonna bring it up on the show and I'm gonna say, aren't I, aren't I paying for less lag? And I won't, I won't receive less lag. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, are they, a Nintendo making specific claims about, um, about their actual multiplayer online service being better under this system? Or are they just saying, you know, you'll be accessing the features you were before, but now you're paying for them? Well, this is very much an answer to people saying that Nintendo's online presence, both in, in the way that games connect online and and just everything's so so old it's old-fashioned it's not modern in either quality or style and this is their answer to that so presumably we should already be seeing a better system if we're on a trial period right i don't think we do yeah i I don't know. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I can connect those dots. Um, I mean, the only thing I would say about it is definitely if you are now paying for that online service and you're, you know, um, you know, you're regularly dropping out of out of games because it's not connecting properly or you're, you know, the experience itself is subpar in some way, then I think it is, you, you know... <laughs> You, you you can now really 
be sort of demanding, a bit more demanding from Nintendo. And you can actually say, well, hang on, I'm paying for this service. You know, I expect it to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. I have to admit, I haven't actually had, I don't, I don't think I've had a lot of the issues with online on Switch that a lot of people have talked about. Um, I mean, uh, just other than, um, you know, certain specific games approaching online in a way that um, was a little bit old-fashioned in the design or something Well, like here's that. here's one thing that's going to be across titles that will... Um... I guess not change because we're already seeing it just like the continued yeah. use of online games. The the phone app, the smartphone app that you can use to interact with uh, your, your teammates in Splatoon and presumably more games will be added to this as it becomes a paid service. Um, it, it will likely be at least minorly expanded on. I still hate using it. I don't in, I don't like that I can't chat through the console. Um, yeah, me too. It, I think it's just a ridiculously convoluted design. Mm-hmm. It's a ba- it's a. I think it's a real barrier to entry. Absolutely. Because, you know, like if I'm going to play Splatoon two online, what I want to be able to do is the same thing I can do on my PS4. I've got a wireless headset. I just put it on, switch it on, and done. Like, that's it. It's really simple. And that's how it should be on Switch. Just give me a a wireless headset, allow me to chat through the game, allow me to set up, you know, invite friends from my Switch console to different games, set up a party or a lobby, whatever. I mean, there's got to be... There's got to be some reason why they've designed it this way in terms of, like, some sort of limitation because... I don't know why you would choose to go with like the phone experience um, if you didn't have some technical restrictions on the Switch because it's clearly a worse experience, I think, at least in terms of online chat and that sort of thing. I've had it explained to me that the phone culture in Japan is just so wildly different than any Western culture could understand and that this could be perceived to be a cool thing that it uses your phone when it doesn't have to. Um, but that's so strange to me. I think that's a very poor explanation. I think, well, if it's a true, <laughs> Especially if it's a a true explanation, company. I'm mad at Japan. <laughs> because, <laughs> because that's weird, man. Yeah. Why would you want that? Yeah, and I don't think... Yeah, that, that doesn't seem right to me. I mean... Nintendo, I think more than a lot of other Japanese publishers, actually, Nintendo is a very globally focused business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, they're not, they're not stupid. Like, they know what Microsoft and Sony are doing. They're, they're much more aware of the online experience and the store experience than a lot of people give them credit for. Because, and I know this because I've had this conversation with them directly. Um, they're very conscious of what their competitors are doing. So I I don't know. I really, I don't know what's going on with the phone <laughs> thing. Um, it feels like it's, that's one thing that's really got to change. Um, right. They can have a phone app that gives you a deeper 
experience while you're on the go. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. So for instance, you know, in Splatoon 2, like you can, um, you can look at all of your stats on your phone. Uh, you can look at the current levels that are on rotation <clears throat> and you can order special like clothing items and stuff and wait for them to be delivered inside the game itself. I think that sort of um, way of expanding the experience away from the Switch is, is kind of cool and unique. Um, but the voice chat thing is a no-brainer. If, if I were to so. guess how this happened, like in, in a boardroom, what exactly was the order of operations that caused this to exist... I, I think that they got the idea from people that people were excited that Nintendo got into mobile development. Um, Pokemon Go is one of the biggest success stories of all time on mobile phones. Um, Fire Emblem Heroes had been doing very well for them. And they saw the phone app as a way like, okay, yeah, let's let's just really lean into these phone things. People like phone stuff. People like using f Nintendo things on their phone. And um, I, I think they, they just didn't see the forest for the trees on that one. And unfortunately, I don't know if you can fix it without, like, an, it, like the Switch 2 is the earliest that they could fix this. Because right now, there's, there's just no way in the hardware for it to work. Yeah, well, I mean, they could... I think that's a good point, because um, they could establish a or, or they could release an official headset that connects to the switch wirelessly in the same way that the joy cons do um it would mean that because i forget the number but there's a limit of how many joy cons you can have attached to one switch um so presumably if you had a wireless headset you'd have to drop the number of joy cons that could be attached at the same time well if you're using a wireless fine. headset presumably it's just you you yeah, wouldn't be doing right. that at a party. It's... Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you might. <laughs> um, you know, it depends how many drinks you've had. <laughs> sure. But um, <laughs> so I think that side of it would be okay. I, but I'm I'm wondering if the limitation is around the fact that uh, that the switch operating system, whatever it is, like must have a very, very light footprint, you know? So when you're running software on the Switch, nearly all of the Switch's um, hardware is is dedicated to that particular game you're running. And the, the actual OS in the background must be very, very paper thin, which may... So I wonder if by adding like lobbies and voice chat and all of those things into the actual OS, into that layer, um, I wonder if they, they think that, you know, the Switch just doesn't have the capacity to do that and play a game at the same time. There's any number of reasons. They <laughs> they could have done yeah. what they've done, and there's any any number of alternatives they could have gone with, but they didn't. Um, finally, last part of the online program. I, I'm surprised we didn't just jump to, write this, to this one right away because this is the biggest one. <laughs> um, it will include... At launch of this program, which is going to be in September of this year, by the way, 20 mm. NES games that you can download like a Netflix situation. Um, 
it's, it's a library that you can just dip into, take what you want, and they are the most stock, boring <laughs> NES games that they, they bring out every single time. We're talking the the Donkey Kong arcade port, um, tennis, golf, I think, was one of them, um... Super Mario Brothers 1, Super Mario Brothers 3, not 2, be, be clear, let's be clear about that, not 2, um, The Legend of Zelda 1, Balloon Fight, Clue Clue Land, stuff like this, like really, re- really wrote things, you've definitely played them in some form or another um, since the beginning of when they started bringing NES games back, which was in... I guess Animal Crossing for the GameCube was the first example of that. And then the e- the e-reader cards, and then Virtual Console, and Wii, and 3DS, and Wii U. Anyway, you've played these games, and now you get to do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what, what's a bit interesting here is that it has Netplay that... Uh, basically, it, it tells the emulator that someone else's controller, um, who's going to be connected to you online, can serve as controller port two so the ones that are multiplayer like balloon fight and uh and tennis you can now play those online which is something that is pretty experimental for an nes game like that um or for single player games you can pass the controller back and forth online um yeah and the 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 compliments announcement to this announcement happened a couple days after they announced the official online program which is that they have no plans whatsoever of bringing the virtual console to the switch um so what's up what's up james (laughs) how do you feel (laughs) well we sort of i think we almost predicted that this was one of the really likely scenario we did i think we danced around it a little bit because it was so unfortunate and we didn't want to actually say that this is what was going to happen yeah i mean uh, the virtual console part in in terms of um you know purchasing or or playing games that you've already bought multiple times before that part is painful right um and i don't given that they've they're moving to a subscription model i don't know how they it's kind of an apples and oranges thing so i I don't know how they can um resolve that um so what's interesting i I guess what you could say people have brought up this idea that you need to buy virtual console games every time and I don't know if people just forgot or, or what what's going on, but you could bring over your Wii Virtual Console games to Wii U for free. And if you wanted to update them so they could now work on the Wii U gamepad, I think it was like 50 cents per game. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, that yeah, that's true. But um, there have been... And, and this is where I think the term Virtual Console confuses things a little bit because there have been a lot of other cases where you can buy classic Nintendo games over the years and even the virtual console thing I mean you could bring the games across I know that it was doable um it 
and it, it wasn't that difficult to do, I guess, but it wasn't necessarily the most seamless thing either. Um, I feel as though, you know, the core problem is that um, it's always been a, a short-term generation-by-generation question. It's It's never been a case of Nintendo saying, right, you've got a Nintendo account. We know all of your classic purchases. They're just going to be available on whatever platform you you play. Um, and, and that's kind of what I was hoping they would move towards with Switch. It's, it's a shame that they're not. Um, right. But on the other hand, you know, if this initial list of 20 games is expanded over time and you're not having to pay more, you know, so if you're just paying your ongoing subscription and you're getting access to an ever-increasing library of content, I think that's pretty good. I, I think that's pretty hard to um, complain about, really, except for the fact that, you know, I bought Super Mario 64 on the Wii U and I don't want it to be part of a subscription service. I just want to own it on the Switch. Right. You know, so if I turn my subscription off tomorrow, I've still got Super Mario 64. That that's I don't I don't think but... this seems as vitriolic as it might be in other situations because they're pairing this subscription model with NES games, which I don't think a lot of people value very highly. Um, mm. Really, these these ROMs. These are this is pennies, man. I I value those ROMs at pennies. Um, mm. w- with the exception of Super Mario Brothers three and Zelda one, which are like really big, influential, sizable, very fun games. Like I don't know how much I'm gonna pay for Clue Clue Land, man. I don't like it, it was a problem that Virtual Console placed all of these NES games at five bucks. That was always an issue. But yes, yeah, I could own that that thing, and mm. I I could dig my Wii out of the closet, um, and I could plug it into my CRT television, and it would still have Super Mario RPG on it because I got that game um through the virtual console and it will be there forever until the Wii dies on me which it probably already did <laughs> but i've kept it in my closet so i just don't <laughs> know about it yet um yeah but with backup saves as part of this program and a paid nintendo account that could potentially manage my information and manage which games i have those are no longer mm. issues so when the switch 2 comes i'll have a paid nintendo account which i need to tell the future switch hey i've bought these things and it 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 seems like all of the the coolest parts of the online program would serve and fix the problems of an old style virtual console right as they get rid of virtual console and and another Mm -hmm. thing is that virtual console all of those games were individual products so there was a lot of effort to have interesting products on the store um when they brought earthbound back after not being able to reproduce earthbound in the west for many many years because of certain rights uh issues with the beatles they were able to that that, that was a big deal the best selling mm. wii u game for a while was earthbound um and then on on top of that they they do things all the time like bring out partially translated games like they finished up the localization and brought out games that the west had never seen like mother one 
and Sin and Punishment for the N64. Like, those things came out, and those were exciting products in and of themselves. In this, because you're not buying individual games, you don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to put the effort into new products, and especially, you don't have to put the effort into things that, like, expand what this system is too much, because it's launching with just NES games, and I'm sure that in terms of, like, selling their online subscriptions, that'll be fine for a lot of people. So the impotence to to put things like the GameCube games that everyone wanted Virtual Console to, to, to grow into, um, I don't think that'll ever happen with this. Uh, I, I would be surprised if we get Super Nintendo games added to this list in a timely fashion. I'd be surprised if we ever get N64 or Game Boy Advance games added to this list. This is, this is I think, pretty bad news. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see what you're saying, and I think there's a risk of that. But I I don't think any of that is a foregone conclusion at the moment. Um, I I think that they have a lot more revenue potential with these games sitting inside a subscription model. Um, so I think there's still a big... Um, I think there are still a lot of reasons why they would make those investments in those releasing those titles. And one way that they, you know, there's a million ways they could do this, but one way I could see them um, kind of leveraging that is that they might do, you know, they could do like a monthly spotlight, for example, on a particular game and use that to kind of drive adoption of the subscription service. Um, You know, so... I don't know how it's all going to shake out. Um, I, I really hope that that it doesn't end up going down the path that you that you just articulated because I think that that would be very depressing. Um, I can only hope that the twenty NES games we have out of the gate are um, you know are just that they're just a starting point because they also said and and I don't I unless they're taking a very um, shallow definition here. Um, remember they said that they were going to be enhancing some of these games as well. So they were going to have the multiplayer, the online multiplayer, but they were talking about other enhancements to these games, which a lot of people rightly or wrongly took as, you know, visual enhancements and that sort of thing. Um have they said anything about that with these initial 20 NES titles? Nothing at all. Yeah. Well... <laughs> so I don't know... Unless unless we all misinterpreted that. I don't know. Well, the, but, there, was, there was an earlier thing last year where they basically put all of these things in, in, in the definition for what they're, they're going to create with an online program. And the only major difference is that instead of having 20 NES games on like a subscription-based thing, they would have three games that they would cycle through that would be given mm-hmm. multiplayer. Um, and I think the three games they used as an example were like Excitebike, Dr. Mario, and Super Mario Kart. So they did have a, an SNES game in that lineup. Um, and mm-hmm. when all of that, that they had... With, all of all of that stuff that they had with their original online program was giving like a lot of negative press 
they said, okay, we've seen that. And it was one of the, the only times I remember like Nintendo actually approaching something of an apology for something. Um, we've seen that. We, we get it. We're, we're back in the lab. We're retracting that. And then they put this out, which is, like, the same in every other regard. Like, that phone thing was also a problem, and they didn't seem to change that at all. Um, and the the three games that would cycle out per month is, instead is just a growing library of games, which is better. Um, but if this replaces the ability to buy any of these games, that's, that's upsetting. I mean, like... Like you just said for Mario 64, if if in 20 years when the internet goes down for Switch, I can't play those games on the Switch anymore, that's really sad. Yeah, and it's 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 really... It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out because as you were talking about that, I was thinking about um, like the analogy to movies and music mm-hmm. where where this is sort of the model that everybody's adopting and Nintendo is actually just late to it. Um, But, you know, like when iTunes first came in, I remember being disappointed about the fact that I, you know, I was starting to miss CDs, even though I could still buy them. Um, But I ended up getting used to just purchasing individual songs or albums digitally. And now I'm actually doing something I never thought I would do, which is I don't purchase any music ever. I just have a subscription. Right. Um, you know, so I, I I haven't actually purchased music in a couple of years at least now. And I'm starting to find that that's what I'm doing with movies as well. Um, I still purchase them here and there, but I'm increasingly just streaming them. So it feels like, all of this content, um, movies, music, and now video games are moving to this model where you will just, you will just never actually own a single piece of content ever I again. I think the main difference here You'll is just that pay to access things, things like Spotify and Netflix, while they offer a subscription model that a lot of people are taking advantage of, you can still buy those mm. things. The option is always going to be there for for movies and tv shows and music you can you can buy them uh even if you can't buy them in physical format anymore um you you can still download them and and have them on to some degree um and, and xbox is emulating that xbox game pass is doing that right now where these are things that you can buy on their own but if you get the subscription you just have access to it where this nintendo thing does not this isn't that because there's no option to just get it. Um, to buy an individual game. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's where all of this is going anyway. Okay. Um, I think, you know, Game Pass is a toe in the water to where it, where it will ultimately go. Um, so I, I just hope this is just a beginning for for this online service. I really hope that we see Nintendo saying, okay here are the next 20 games and the next 20 and the next 20. I hope we see something that really evolves into a, a, a big back catalogue of content. Um, that that will ease the pain significantly, but who knows what they plan to do there. Sure. In, in a universally good uh, announcement, we have, again, from the good guys <laughs> of gaming, we have Microsoft uh, with their Xbox Adaptive Controller. James, do you want to talk about this? 
Yeah, um, this is this was an interesting announcement. I yeah. think it it kind of took everybody by surprise. Um, I mean, it, it's essentially a um, it's a new controller for the Xbox One. Um, it's you described it well here, where you said it's a flight stick looking controller. So it's like a it's it reminds me of those like old kind of arcade style controllers as well, yeah. where it's kind of like a flat. Um, piece of plastic it's got two big circular pads um, on one side and then you know the other face buttons like the d-pad and that sort of thing are kind of laid out across the surface Um, and I think what's interesting about it is not just the design of the controller itself but the fact that it's sort of inherently modular so you can connect it to lots of different devices and controllers that are designed for accessibility in gaming. Right. There, there are 19 ports on the back where you can plug in basically anything that has an on and off capability. Yeah. So if you are, if you're paralyzed from the waist up, uh, you might not be able to use your hands. So there, there are hands-free options for how to do this. You, you can put, the the pad on the ground and you can use your foot to press the big uh two buttons that it has on the pad but then you could connect um other buttons to the back of this thing and then have those buttons like through a wire uh set set up near your knee so you could like move your knee back and forth and, and hit the buttons um and and you can have them basically do anything you want you can have this button depending on which hole you plug it into be a trigger button or a face button or a direction on the analog stick so that's really cool i i really really uh like that they've gone ahead and put money into something that is inherently probably not going to make their money back really um it, it it's something only a company like uh microsoft can do just that they have an obscene amount of money just to throw away if they want to. And they do on really good things. Um, I, I really like it. I, I'm, I'm really appreciative of what they've done. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if this, if this device allows, you know, a whole new kind of generation of players to come through who couldn't, who just could not access games before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's incredible. Um, and you know, it's, uh, just looking at the announcement and, and, um, looking at, I was looking at the Facebook post that Microsoft did, um, for the most part, people are pretty positive about this. There are some, um, there are some people that, um, somehow managed to find the negative in everything, even something like this. Which is overwhelmingly a good. I don't thing. even want to. I don't even want to um, talk about it. This is just. <laughs> this is such a good thing. I don't care what they could possibly say. This is say. such a good thing. <laughs> Absolutely, this is such a good thing, and I, and I hope that it drives Sony and Nintendo to think about. Um, you know, they may not go as far, but I hope it drives them to think a bit more about universal design and you know how they might think about that with their future games. Yeah, Nintendo's kind of tackled it in a different way where they've they've made their console something that can be played on the go or on on a tv but th- that in terms of ability it 
they've kind of increased the ability threshold on on taking it on the go. You know, it's it's harder to do that than to play it at a TV, uh, in 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 terms of bodily ability. Uh, so it, it's very interesting to see Xbox's own take on that going in the opposite direction, um, hit, hitting a group of people pretty hard. I, I imagine this this could really do well for them, and I hope that people aren't yeah. um, like too proud to use this because i imagine that some uh i'm imagining some like aunts and uncles in my family who are really only familiar with with video games in terms of like they've heard of the word pikachu before um yeah (laughs) uh they they could they would have a really hard time i've seen them try to hold a controller they don't they just don't know what to do um, maybe this is like setting the stage for just more modular controllers in general. Maybe you just make make your grandma's video game controller. Um, th- this would be a different product, but it, it's it's uh it's interesting to see things kind of go in that direction a little bit. Yeah, any anything that lowers the barrier to entry for people to enjoy games is is good in my book. Definitely. So this is the this is going to be the bulk of the podcast going forward james there's been some leaks this is what the people want us to talk about <laughs> um i i've listed three different leaks here and i don't want you to spoil which ones they are but which one do you want to talk about first up to you <laughs> mm, um i think we should i think the order you've got them in here is pretty good actually okay um so the <laughs> yeah. first one is Star Fox grand prix uh, this is supposedly a Star Fox racing spinoff headed up by Retro Studios. So, okay. It's been four full years since Retro's last game, which was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Um, but it's only been half of a month since their latest game which was the remaster of tropical freeze it's it's only been four years since their like full big project their last full big project um i don't know how i feel about this one james i i don't i don't think i buy it yeah this uh the 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 buzz around retro studios does not line up with this game this game might exist and it might be made by someone else. I could see Platinum taking another spin on it. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't see it. I don't see this happening. Yeah. Um, you know, without going into any detail at all, it's just fair to say that we, we have good reason to believe that this is not the case, that this rumor is not true. Right. Um, at least as it's been, you know, described on the internet so far. Um you know, I was saying to you before the show that I, I hope this game exists somewhere. <laughs> I hope someone's making it. Would it would be cool if someone um, was making this game, yeah. Yeah, um, I saw a description somewhere that said uh, that this would be sort of in the vein of like a Diddy Kong racing. Is that right? That That's part of this rumor? Right, that is part of this rumor. There would be a hub world and it would be kind of like an adventure game racer. Yeah, I love that. I love Diddy Kong Racing. I was obsessed with that game back in the day. So, yeah, I, I um, agree. This is just on my wish list now. I didn't know I wanted it until I heard this. Star Fox characters are really cool. 
I don't think people give the Star Fox franchise enough credit because it could have at any point just put out a character based game and I think people would be really into it. Um, it was the wrong time and place for Star Fox Adventures at the time, back in 2002. Um, but but now I, I think with how beloved Fox and Falco are just from Smash Brothers and this entire suite of other characters that I think are all designed pretty well, a, a racer game or something else that like takes all of that franchise in, in, in into one genre and just lets those characters be characters is really cool. Yeah, totally agree. And there are so many awesome locations, you know, in the Star Fox universe. There's such a there's such a rich um, kind of sense of character about the world. Um, I just think it would be a perfect combination. So I'm crossing my fingers for this one. Yeah, maybe Retro wasn't making this game, but but now they've heard the rumors and they're like, hey, we should we should make that game. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, there's our next game. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. So, here's one I do think is real. Pokemon Let's Go. Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee edition specifically. Uh, we just did a mid-jump about this. It was me and Jeff Onan, who's, I guess, now a frequently a frequent collaborator with the Super Jump podcast. Um, but I, I didn't get to talk about it with you, James. Um this is a weird game <laughs> which is why i think yeah, it's real I, yeah i listened to that podcast episode i highly recommend it by the way um to everybody listening it's um and and i'm coming at this probably from a different angle because i the last pokemon game i really played was like pokemon red i think wow so I've had some awareness of the series since then, but I haven't played a Pokemon game in years and years. Um, and uh, I think part of the reason is that I, um, I I wasn't really interested in kind of the iterative approach to the series. I wasn't invested enough to, to kind of stay interested in that. Um, so when I look at this rumor, um, I, I don't know what the shape of this game could ultimately be, but what I would hope for is the thing that I think you and Jeff were saying is probably not that likely, which is a complete reimagining, you know, like a big AAA reimagining of Pokemon as kind of this full console experience. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that would that would be interesting for a lot of people. Um, as with any series, there's going to be a diehard group that would, uh, repudiate any major change like that. But, but just what we've seen from other JRPG series, and this is one of those, like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, they all started in the same turn-based, top-down, grid-walking things, and evolved into these like pseudo turn-based pseudo time-based real-time action adventure rpgs that follow the main character with like a dynamic camera and everything and i don't think it's unreasonable to ask that of pokemon if that's what you want from it i i i hear in response to that idea 
being spouted out off. I, I hear a lot of people saying, it, it it's Pokemon. Why would you get that out of Pokemon? And why would you not? It's it's It sells so well. <laughs> There's so much money behind it. It, it. Now it's on a full console, so the hardware is no longer an argument. And like they they have Nintendo backing them up, and they just did the biggest one of these with Zelda. Um, but but yeah, I I don't think it's that. Um, there was a screenshot that was purportedly of the Pokemon uh, Switch, the the Switch game that came out a couple months ago, and it had a trainer on a Lapras with um like that was basically it um i don't think that's real i i still think that's fake it looked almost exactly like pokemon sun and moon um just like the layout of the land was different and and some textures were changed i think someone made it in like a unity or a unreal or something yeah but i don't think it's gonna be that far off i think it's still just gonna look like sun and moon did just just hd and i i don't know how impressive that's going to be for people the main thing here though that that's really causing waves is the pokemon go connectivity um because the way it was described is that catching pokemon in this game in pokemon let's go pikachu and eevee might have something to do with um the way you catch pokemon in go which is by flicking balls at them um just flicking with your finger um and and that might translate into a joy con twitch and that would really upset a lot of people me included because the battle mechanics of pokemon go are so bad they're so pithy (laughs) and and there's nothing to them it's just tapping and throwing and swiping um and and it's very hard to do it poorly yeah. Yeah, I'd be disappointed by that. Um, I mean, I, I can I can see there being maybe some value in having connectivity with Pokemon Go in some fashion. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But but yeah, you know, I'd hope that they don't kind of dumb down the the console experience, especially considering, like your your comment about the Joy-Con, like the HD Rumble. That could be really, really cool in a console Pokemon game. Like, there's so much they could do with the Switch. Um, even if they stick to a format that's sort of similar to what we have now, maybe it looks a little better. Maybe it's a little bit bigger in scope. Maybe there's some more kind of online um, capability happening there. Um, there's a lot they could do with the Joy-Cons. There's a lot they could do with the power of the system to you know, to even just expand on some of those concepts without it being the big kind of radical open world third person game. Um, so I'm pretty eager to see what they do here. It's worth noting that since the Game Boy Advance, really starting with uh, the Nintendo DS Pokemon games, Game Freak has had a hard time really nailing what they want to get out of the system up front um diamond and pearl were the first ds pokemon games and they looked like very good game boy advance games and then black and white which were on the same system had all these like depth 
things it it was it looked a lot prettier the the sprite art was was more in depth it really looked like it was actually pushing the ds um it, it took some time to get there and uh on the 3ds they did that as well where x and y were pretty much regular pokemon games in 3d but then sun and moon actually felt like a 3d space where you weren't it wasn't a grid anymore you could you could walk around just freely in in, in 360 degrees um, if this, if this is the thing that it is, it, because it, it's going back to Kanto, it's, um, telling a story that might have already been told before, that part isn't exactly clear, um, it, it's not a new generation of Pokemon, it, it's just another Pokemon game in the seventh generation. If they're doing that because they want to get to a big thing later, um, that's, that's cool, and I think it's, this would be the thing to test out Pokemon Go on. It just feels kind of anticlimactic after, like, thinking, man, a full console 3D HD Pokemon game, and they take it slow, <laughs> like, in multiple installments to get to where you think that could be. Um, it makes sense, but it, it, it does feel like you, you, want it, you want that BAM! You want that, oh my god, whoa, you can do this with... Pokemon yeah. and and it won't be that it'll it'll be a slow burn, um. But really, all of that well, is without too much knowledge of what the game actually is. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna find out by the next time we record. Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. Like, we really this is all a lot of the speculation. I think is is um based on you know discussions and expectations that the communities had over a long period of time this this leak itself is pretty small and doesn't really tell us very much um you know i i definitely know what i'm hoping to see but i'm not i'm definitely not expecting to see that um i think whatever they do um you know it's it's either going to be that big bang surprise or it's going to be more of an iterative you know, okay, we've got Pokemon on Switch, but it's kind of that that slight evolution from, you know, the 3DS experience. I I think the the biggest and most interesting thing that you can expect from this Pokemon game is that when compared with its contemporaries, um, like the other major Nintendo franchises, Zelda, Mario, Animal Crossing this will finally be one that doesn't look like lower in technology than its peers. Um, I, and I think that's, yeah. I think that's exciting in and of itself. Uh, how they handle the rest of the game. We'll, we'll wait to see, but uh, until then, what do you think? Pikachu or Eevee? Which one would you get? Oh, Pikachu all the way. Oh, okay. From me. Okay. Jeff said so too. Yeah. So I guess if we're going to keep talking about it on the podcast, I have to get Eevee version. I was on the fence, but this, this cinched it for me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, the third and final leak. This is the biggest one. This is actually a collection of leaks. Walmart Canada's website put up a bunch of games that are not announced into, into their, their uh, catalog. And you've seen this happen before. But never from so many different publishers with so many different <laughs> kinds of games. Uh, this is this is kind of crazy. 
Oh, the I just, it did make me laugh though because I'm like all the effort that developers and publishers go to to keep these massive projects secret for years and years at a time and this like some idiot at a retailer just posts this stuff on a website without thinking like it's it's pretty funny yeah I think. uh just in case um, you don't believe the veracity of this leak uh, it initially included things like Dragon Quest 2, which we assume is Dragon Quest Builders 2, and Beyond Good and Evil 2, which we also happen to know is, is coming. So it, it was paired with a lot of things that we knew were real. And one of the things we didn't know anything about, Rage 2, the sequel to Rage, which came out in 2011, yeah. everyone's favorite game, yep. um, <laughs> it was announced after this this leak in 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 the face of this leak it seems like it was prompted to announce itself um yeah yeah they they decided to just let the cat out of the bag since it had been uh since the leak had happened um which probably a smart thing to no. do don't know what else they could have done really there's no point sitting there denying it until they're E3 yeah, I would agree. Case. On an individual level, um, it's much smarter to not pretend like the audience doesn't know what this is. On a group level, though, yeah. Bethesda, you kind of threw everyone else under the bus a little bit because these things still could have been f like feasibly fake if Rage Two didn't go ahead and confirm itself. Um, so let's let's talk about the other ones. Um, God of War, or no, sorry, not God of War Five, Gears of War five um yes i didn't expect this at all i thought it would be too soon for another gears of war yeah i was a bit surprised by seeing this one on the list as well so we've heard rumors and we've actually discussed them on the show before um about a perfect dark game coming from the developers of gears of war um and if the next yeah. gears of war if, if the next game for them is five, I find it unlikely that that perfect dark game actually exists. Yeah. Yep. I think that makes sense. It's a shame too, because I personally would have preferred to see another perfect dark rather than a fifth gears of yeah. war, but maybe I'm in a minority yeah, definitely. there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would, I, yeah, we're, we probably are. Um, yeah. So borderlands three is an interesting one. We knew this was in development. It's not an unannounced game. But um, yeah. they have recently confirmed that they won't be at E3. So this means that this is just a bunch of games, not even that we're going to be confirmed at E3. This is just like a bunch of games. Uh, it's just yeah, a weird it's, collection. It's it's That's right. And it, it's really weird because... Um, and I don't know if they do this in the US, I guess they obviously do based on this list, but here in Australia, what a lot of the retailers will do is the minute a game is announced, so even if it, we just see a really crappy early trailer, um, a lot of stores here will put up like a fake box of that game and allow you to pre-order right. it, even though it's like two years away or may not ever happen. Um, so they kind of jump on these announcements as quickly as they can to try and, you know, start promotion mega, mega early, whether the publisher's ready or not. Um, and so the, the thing that's weird, though, is for them to put up something like Borderlands 3 or like to put up games that, you know, aren't even going to be shown at E3, 
and therefore who knows when they're actually going to be released um i mean that's that's really jumping the gun isn't it, it like- <laughs> yeah it really is jumping the gun i i don't know like what this collection of games is like categorized as i don't know why these things are next to each other i i see some microsoft things that would that would imply that like they at least maybe maybe this was some sort of xbox grouping i don't know um yeah but it's weird that borderlands 3 is there um but that wasn't a surprise we knew that game was in development what we didn't know in <laughs> was yeah. in development um is forza horizons 5 now here's here's the skinny on forza forza horizons 5 it has an s after horizon um that is not what the game series is called uh uh, it is called horizon with no s and also there's only there's only three of them so this would be four so this is it's the wrong number and it's spelled wrong (laughs) Which again brings me back to the point about, you know, some some idiot at Walmart who doesn't actually know what they're doing, just throwing mm-hmm. this up. Um, even though obviously Rage Two, like you know, they obviously had some information to base this on, um, presumably. But yeah, when I saw that, I thought mm, they, you know, they're obviously not familiar with the series. I always go back to this uh, this shelf i saw once at a target it it was in their movie sections Mm -hmm. and it was toy story like on on dvd and then right under it they they had the little tag saying what it was and they said it was called buzz and woody the movie Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so that might be a different it it might be a different movie (laughs) i think it's likely toy story um and, and yeah. it just reminds you like someone's doing this all of these things that you think like you internalize is just this is what the computer age is doing there's a there's a human on that computer doing it so that could just be the like they just messed up what it's called but i could also see like for a branding thing they could put an s after horizons like whoa you go to multiple places Kind of like Silent Hills was a different game than Silent Hill. Uh, yeah. I, I could see that happening. Uh, going down the list, we've got Just Cause 4. Are you... Are, I, I feel like you said you were a fan of the Just Cause series at one point. Am I making that up? I played a bit of Just Cause 3, which I might I have been making that up then. Um, no, we, we did talk about it. Um, it was in a playtime report at one stage. And I think that the one big takeaway was that for a very long time, Just Cause 3 was broken and now it's better cool. and, and worth playing. So, yeah, bring on a So this one. this one seems pretty unambiguous. We will see this one at E3. Um, yeah. Who publishes that? Oh, uh, I can't remember off the top of my so head. So it's not like Square Enix or Ubisoft or someone... That would have their own stage show. Um, let's have a look, actually. Um, oh yeah, published by Square Enix, developed by Avalanche. Oh, okay. Studios. So this could be during Square Enix's uh, new Nintendo Direct type thing they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yep. 
so Destiny Comet. So I, I looked up Destiny Comet, and it 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 seems that the idea of a Destiny expansion was talked about in the past uh, under the name Comet. Like, they would be comets going through the world and impacting them. Um, but that idea was kind of dropped as soon as they realized they weren't just sticking with Destiny 1 the whole time and they would have an actual sequel. Um, so it's interesting that this phrasing is here. Uh, it, it wouldn't be its own game, probably. So I, I assume that this is either a code name for an expansion, in which case it could have been a code name for Warmind itself, or the next one. Yeah, I reckon, because Warmind was announced, the name was revealed quite a while ago before the actual sort of full reveal of the content. Um, I, I reckon this probably relates to the big release in September. Okay. Do you think it's actually called that, or do you think yeah. this is just a placeholder name? Uh, I doubt it. Yeah, I think this is a placeholder name, I suspect. Okay, is it um, is it surprising that we would see that at this time in its own, like, retail thing? Um, well, the, the name is a little... The name they've used is a little bit surprising, because it's, kind of it's kind of a funny, like, really inside baseball term for a retailer to use on a listing yeah. um but but having said that i mean we've known uh i don't know exactly when bungie released the destiny roadmap but we've known for at least the last sort of two or three months that we were going to get Warmind, and then we were going to get this big september release this year so um it's been out there for a while yeah um okay next is lego dc villains i'm kind of surprised they hadn't done that yet that sounds just like something they've done um yeah i wonder if they have phrased it like this because they don't want to say suicide squad like they don't want to have the word suicide on a lego product um yep that makes yeah. sense um i'm as as yeah. far as brands for lego games go this is great uh, yep. Okay, Assassin's Creed, no apostrophe, <laughs> and no specifics. It's just multiple assassins <laughs> and a creed. Multiple, yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, oh God, we were talking about this in the last episode, weren't we, about... Um, I think I was saying that I am hoping we don't see another Assassin's Creed again, uh, at least this year. Um, but who knows? I mean, God... There's no apostrophe, Mitchell, so this could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a, an iOS game. Who knows what this is? But, you know, I stick to my guns about hoping that we don't see another big Assassin's Creed just yet. I really would love for them to take their time. Right, yeah. that It would be great if they took their time. Uh, they deserve to take yeah. their time, I feel. They do. They did such a great job with Origins. Like, it's really, really good. It's really worth playing um you know it, it was really clear that taking their time made a big difference there so i want them to continue doing now that. origins had no major like major 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 dlc expansion like they sometimes do could this be a standalone expansion of a game kind of like uncharted the lost legacy how it's sold on its own as well as being an expansion yeah very possible um i don't know if they've i don't know if there are any current rumors in the community about like big additional content um but 
that's very possible. It could easily be because they, they've kind of um, with Origins, they've kind of gone dipped a little bit more into that games as a service right. idea, where you know there's a lot of um, a lot of regular kind of new content and changes in the world that are still ongoing now. Um, so it, it could be something unless more I'm like getting that. this confused with something else. I, I think the word on the street at one point was that there was going to be some concurrent thing with origins about Greece in that same time period, because Egypt and Greece did have a, a complicated relationship at around the, the time that origins yeah. is set. Um, so I could imagine some standalone thing about Greece and, or Athens specifically, um, just going back and forth with Cairo. That would, that would be interesting. Yeah, that'd be very, um, final one. It's just called Splinter Cell. Um, so obviously there's going to be some sort of subtitle for this or numbering, but we don't have that yet. Uh, there hasn't been a new Splinter Cell game. The Tom Clancy au revoir have has been kind of focused on Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon in the in recent years. There hasn't been a new Splinter Cell game since 2013. So um, I guess it's time. I guess it's time. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's time. I a lot of these. Tom Clancy games kind of just bleed together for me, I have to admit. So uh, I'm at the point now where I don't really know what the differences are between the major, um, the major Tom Clancy games at the moment. I mean, other than the division, which I've actually played, but, uh, rainbow six siege. Other than the division, Um, they really do seem to run together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know that I know there's been some really good, commentary about i think it's rainbow six siege about the state of the game now i could have it wrong but um i think i gather that it was one of those games that um has improved a lot over time and been really heavily supported by the developers so I, i'm sure it's great i just um i just haven't gotten into it the tom clancy series is one of those groups of video games or or any kind of media really that you find out at some point that it is popular and you're like who's who Who's playing this? I I spend a lot of time in video games and I don't know who would be playing this. And it, it's good for them. Good. I'm glad yeah. for Ubisoft that they have a uh, a banner like this to <laughs> put good games under. Presumably good games. Um, <laughs> and the the best selling game of last year until Call of Duty came out was Ghost Recon Wildlands. Yeah. PUBG came out last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know these 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 games obviously scratch a particular itch, and I think I think there's something about the because you definitely see them being streamed. Like, there's a lot of people streaming these games, and we've got a couple of people in the the Super Jump team who are avid players of um, uh, of Tom Clancy games as well. But I think there's there's something about the whole like ultra realistic team-based tactical shooter that that they're obviously really cornered that yeah they really have so that's those are all the leaks we have um between um all of those walmart leaks Star Fox, and pokemon what would you say are your let's give it a let's give a top three 
as in top three on most sure however you want to read that (laughs) uh top three (laughs) yeah top three most exciting for you most exciting okay well the the number one has got to be star fox grand prix uh i would be i would be over the moon if that were real and if that happens so that's pretty exciting uh number two would be rage 2 because um i know the original wasn't received all that well but the trailer for the new one just looks awesome i hope it actually plays as good as it looks um, it, it looks like a weird mix of like uh, Mad Max and Borderlands or something. It, it looks really cool. Um, and I'm pretty excited to see what happens with Destiny in September. It feels like we're heading toward this big make or break moment for that franchise. Um, and I, I just have my fingers crossed for Bungie. I really hope they knock it out of the park. I want them to do well. Destiny has a lot of potential. Um, so I'm excited to see what they show off at E3. What about you? What are you? My three? my number one is definitely Pokemon Let's Go. Uh, it's it's like the main thing I've been thinking of this week. Um, I would put Star Fox up there if I believed it was happening, and I just don't. Um, yeah. I I would definitely put it at a solid number two. But in in once of Star Fox, I think um, I think I'd say Rage Two is is my number two and i know i i kind of just gave rage a a hard time earlier but um being in in the unique position of the only one of these games that's actually been announced i just know more about it and it looks very very colorful Mm. and i i like that in a shooter uh that that's potentially pretty cool number three um Number three, maybe Forza Horizons 5, because if it's actually Horizons and actually 5, that is so ballsy <laughs> to, to go from three to five <laughs> just because you want to, just because you want to send the message, hey, no, this one's this one's as good as two new games. Um, so that's, that's <laughs> fun. I hope it's that. <laughs> Those are my top three. <laughs> Fair enough. um so that's been the show this has been the super jump podcast i've been mitchell wolf for james burns uh if you want to write into the show send us a question or a comment or tip or or something you can do that at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com that's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com it's time for the after school activities The after-school activities are a section of the show where James and I will give the listener a little bit of a homework assignment to do by the next time they uh, they listen to the show. Just a little something because we only do the show every two weeks. Uh, we we want to have you with us in some sort of spiritual way in the meantime. So, James, what is your recommended after-school activity this time? So I want to recommend a YouTube review of Destiny 2 Warmind. Um, it's by a YouTuber called Skill Up. Um, he's seems to be really popular, but I've only just discovered him recently. Um, and I'm now watching another video of his about the, the current state of the division. What I love about his videos are they're, they're like really chunky, Mitchell. They're like, they're long videos. They're detailed but they're really, really, um, they're really interesting and really well-made and entertaining. So 
Um, we'll put the link for the Destiny 2 Warmind review, but check out his other stuff as well. Um, it's really awesome. Great. I was going to say that my after-school activity is The Hungering Deep, which is, um, speaking of Warmind, this is another uh, up upgrade for a game that hasn't been doing so hot lately this is this is a uh, major update for sea of thieves it adds some sort of uh big encounter in the game kind of kind of a campaign-esque little thing to do not nearly as long as a long campaign but like it, it, it's it's a big deal it'll change the way the game is played um so if you uh i, I know a lot of our listeners had some connection with sea of thieves and we talked about it for a while um th- this is a this is like the next big step for that game but that could be bad i hope it's good um if it's bad though i changed my mind and <laughs> just actually watched the fifth season of arrested development both the hungry and deep and the fifth season of arrested development actually come out on may the 29th so it'll be uh it, w- it won't be available right as this episode goes live but uh but but yeah I, I, I really hope Sea of Thieves gets good, and this is the time where uh, they're, they're going to have to kind of put up or shut up with new updates. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. Um, yeah, in other news, we are going to E3. If you want to uh, send focus requests for the show, like a, a specific game you want me to check out while I'm there, uh, something like that, something to talk about, because we, we can't talk about everything that happens at E3. It's just too much. Uh, so if if you want a certain thing to be discussed, you can send us uh, that request at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Um, our theme song is Battle Against a Clueless Foe by Shane Mesa off of his Mother 4 soundtrack. Remember to uh, subscribe and review us on iTunes. Tell a friend if you can. And, uh, by the way, we always have our social media uh, channels that you can check out. There's facebook.com slash superjumponline or twitter.com slash superjumponline. And those those things, if you want to search for them instead of using the URL, that's just, I'm sure you can just search for superjump and probably find it. We're the blue icon. Uh, and there's, there's obviously the magazine itself on medium.com. So, until next time... Stay super.